Hello, and welcome to the number one intercontinental podcast on iTunes. What are we on? SoundCloud? Like, I, me, me tunes? You tunes? Yeah. Us tunes. <laughs> Us tunes! The number one intercontinental podcast on tunes. I wonder how many interna- intercontinental podcasts there are. Probably not if that many. There are, I mean, I, prove me wrong. Like, let's hear another one. Let's see if they're any better than us. It's also, the only one I'm on. Yeah. Also, if you are another intercontinental podcast out there and you happen to be listening to this, I will fight you for the right <laughs> to claim that that title. How is the uh, intercontinent, Patrick? Uh, the intercontinent, I'm not sure. I'm on the continent. Intercontinent <laughs> would be between the continents. Which I know nothing about because it's just water and fish and monsters, apparently. So uh, that I'm not sure of. But this continent is beautiful and lovely. And onion haseo, Kyle. Onion haseo. Will you tell people about this podcast, Patrick? We've stopped doing that. We used to always tell people what this podcast was about. We would give them ways to contact us. We stopped doing that. Let's do that early this time. Go. Yeah. It's funny that my, my... my actual professionalism has an inverse relationship with my podcast professionalism. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, yes, this is uh, Two Guys. It is uh, hosted by me, Patrick uh, Jong-un, and uh, Kyle Muma. Uh, and we discuss our lives and Durham events slash uh, businesses slash sports teams slash really anything that happens in the Bull City, except now, as we aforementioned, I am not in the Bull City, though Kyle still is, so it's a little bit different now. It's actually funny to think about, like, this podcast started as, like, two bachelors living the life in, in their apartment in Durham together, and now there's, like, limited Durhamness and limited bachelorness, and yet we're still friends. Yeah, you're right. I, uh, we did we did um, kind of start with bachelors being uh, kind of a, I guess, a theme of the show. Yeah. And there is limited bachelorness now. Um, not complete, not complete on bachelorness, but definitely limited, and uh, also limited Durhamness now. Yeah. Although, although I at some point in the show um, do have some Durham questions for you. I've got a lot of Durham stuff to talk about, so we can dive into some Durham stuff at some point. I'm also yeah. trying to think of where I should live next. I want your opinion on that too. So we can talk Ooh. through we can talk through lots of fun Durham stuff later. I I'm actually uh, I'd love to hear some Durham stuff. I'm 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 jonesing for it. I've been gone not too long. I like being gone, but I'd also like to get back there at some point. In yeah, my life, so. come visit. Yeah, man. So I'll have time. the first thing we need to do is we need to just officially. Uh, bury the Carolina Hurricanes and have like a nice funeral for them and move on with our lives. Any yeah. any last words to say for our friends at the Hurricanes? Um man, you know, it does feel a little bit like we're putting a dead hamster in a box, in a shoe box and just kind of putting that shoe box in the backyard for the ninth, um, for the ninth year in a row. Yeah, why is it it's more than that, right? Uh, is it We made the playoffs in 09. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, doesn't yeah. that make this the tenth year? Well, next year will be the tenth year. No, next year would be the eleventh year. This is the tenth year. It's, it's twenty eighteen. 
Yeah, I know. Do math. 09, 2010. No, no, no. We made it in 09, though. Yeah, I know. But, like, I'm pretty sure this is 10. 10, no, you're, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. This is why okay. Patrick teaches English. <laughs> Shit. God damn it. Feels just like old times. Uh, okay. <laughs> so anyways, for the ninth year in a row, we're putting our poor little dead hamster in a box. And do we? will we have high hopes for the hamster again next year anyways? I believe that next year we'll be dealing with a completely different hamster. Um, I think this owner doesn't give a flying fart about uh, who's been on the team and any legacy anyone may have established, which I believe Ron Francis was kind of prone to hanging on to people for too long. Um, So I believe that we will be uh, cleaning some serious house over the offseason. in terms of uh, player personnel, I believe we'll be doing some deals. I agree with you. I do think we'll be doing some deals, but I wish that the first deal would be firing Bill Peters personally. And I wish we had done it last night after that atrocity of a game that I don't know if you've even seen yet. But I have seen. I have seen that game. I uh, I did. I don't really know what to say about it other than. It was like, ugh. I agree with the Francis firing. I think it had to happen. If he and Tom Dundon aren't going to work well together, then we need a different GM. I think Francis's main issue was that he was never able to find a goalie who could be worth a damn, except for maybe Anton Hudobin, who he traded away. Uh, right. And Kudobin's, I mean, to be fair, still is kind of just like a backup. Yeah. I mean... And he's back to the team he was already right. backing up before. He's basically, which, um, Francis basically went 0 for 3 on trying to get us a starting goalie and like right. whiffed pretty badly on Lack and uh, Darling. So yeah. that, that's his big issue. We're going to have to find a goalie somehow. I, I'm pretty convinced that if we had a decent goalie and a coach who could actually consistently motivate a team, that our current roster could have been a playoff roster. You know, the one thing about Bill Peters that I will say, in, in which I agree with you, is that he can't even uh, commit, he can't even convince me to buy a Connecticut water filter. <laughs> I mean, like, that commercial just makes me cringe. I mean, I don't know what his locker room talks are like, but if, if they're anything like that, I'm, I'm completely off the boat. Yeah, I was, I was a pretty big, I'm generally a pretty big coach defender till like, the bitter end, but I I have reached the end of my rope with Bill Peters. I like, I'm I'm done with him. Yeah, I don't know how you lose a I don't know how you're up four one on Boston and then lose a game like that. I mean, granted, the guy who scores a Hattie is David Pasternak, who we were also in the running for getting over the summer, which you know has Francis pulled a couple more. I mean, can you imagine like a Falk for Pasternak trade, which? Didn't seem that unreasonable last June. You know what makes uh, it unreasonable is that in his tenure, Francis never made a player-for-player player trade. Not one. For a team that was like pretty close to making it to the playoffs, you have to have a GM who is willing to actually make a move. He never made right. a single player-for-player player trade. Right. And also, at one point, uh, uh, Falk for Taylor Hall was on the table. Right. Um, and that look at that look at Taylor Hall this year he's been a, a, a he's been a fucking rock star 
So I heard somebody talking on the radio the other day about Tom Dundon, and they were saying he he has kind of made a living out of taking like so he 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 made a lot of his wealth on subprime like credit card deals, which you know there you can debate the like righteousness of that. He then made I know zero about what that means. Uh, don't so. worry about it. He okay. he then made a lot more money on Top Golf taking basically a dying industry of driving ranges and turning it into like a multi-billion dollar investment. So Wait, he owns Topgolf? That was where he made like most of his wealth. He was so he doesn't own Topgolf, he was like the first investor in Topgolf. So potentially Raleigh Durham gets a Topgolf. I would I would be shocked if we didn't get a Topgolf. Interesting. Yeah. All right. He's There's already he's already you. started he's already started proposing that. But like he that's two different times where he's kind of taken an industry that nobody else wants to touch and has made, turned it into something profitable and successful. Hopefully he can do the same thing with the hurricanes. We'll see. Well, I like a few of the things he's done. I like the, uh, pull people down from the upper deck to the yep. lower bowl promotion. Like yep. why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you do that? Yep. I mean, I, I understand that season ticket holders get annoyed when they pay more for essentially the same seats, but like, I mean, come on. Why wouldn't you want your team to have a better atmosphere? It's better for you, too. I mean, it makes the game better. He he completely slashed concession prices. Beers beers are $5 right now. He, what? Beers are 5 bucks. Yeah. He changed where the team comes in. They come in from the corner now because he lines that corner with fans so that they can, like, high-five the players on their way in instead of them coming in behind the bench. That's dope. I he, like that. He introduced a thing called a, the Canes Pass where you pay – like 95 bucks at the start of the month and then you can go to as many home games as you want that month. Uh, yeah, like he's done all sorts of cool stuff. Like he's clearly a very like very progressive and very invested in the fan experience. So Wow. The one game I went to this year, I paid uh, $85 for my ticket yeah. and um, it was lower bowl and it was great, but damn, 95 bucks for a whole month. Yep. You can go to as many. So, like, during they did during January and they're doing it again during March. You can go to as many home games as you want during that month for just a flat rate. Um, damn. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, he's he's clearly, like, trying to think of things that he can do differently. And I imagine okay. that they will fire okay. the coach as well. Okay, okay, okay. So, here's my, here's my question, though. So, you said, and this is something I just, I don't really, I have, again, I've been out of the loop a little bit. I still watch the games. I still watch the highlights. I still read um, articles and stuff, but I don't really know much about Tom Dundon. Uh, so he's made all of his money and all of his wealth in not sports. I mean, not professional sports ownership. Correct. And uh, he's, he's got lots of big name friends. Like I know like uh, Tony Romo was at a game and he knows sports clearly, but now he says whatever GM gets hired is going to be reporting directly to him. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that do? I mean, he's not a hockey mind. Yeah, so I I had some fears about that too. I had some fears about him being trying to be like a Mark Cuban type, where he's like involved in every decision and like sitting behind the bench, like making substitutions. Um, but I feel like I feel like not not to you know. Not to take a shot at basketball, that's not what I'm doing. But I feel like with hockey, there's it's a little bit more intricate sport in terms of. I agree. So player personnel and on ice decisions and things like that. So if you read what he said during that press conference, he basically said that the way that 
decisions are made right now with the hurricanes. There's no clear process for making decisions. And he and Ron Francis operate very differently in terms of decision making. He wants a GM with whom he can develop a framework for decision making. He talked about like this red, yellow, green framework where like there like there are things that are in the red that are you don't do. There are things that are in the green that you do. There are things that are in the yellow that you have a conversation about. But he's ta- familiar with traffic lights, Kyle. Like, he, you know, I understand the concept. <laughs> He was, he was very specific about wanting to hire a GM who he was more aligned with so that he could step away from the process. I think his worry about Francis was that he was going to feel like he had to be involved in decisions because Francis wasn't a strong decision maker, as evidenced by the fact that he never made a trade in four years and that he couldn't figure out who his goalie was going to be. And like Francis was just kind of on the edge about a lot of things. I think he wants a stronger personality in that role so that he doesn't have to be involved in those decisions. And he specifically said he does not want to be and acknowledge that he does not have the hockey background to be involved. Man, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta think about Francis as a hockey player too. He was a pass first guy, you know, yep. he's not taking the shot. He's, he's giving the puck up. Yep. I'm Hall curious. of Famer. Hall Cur- of Famer. Curious but. to see how long he stays in the organization. Uh, I've, the general speculation out there is that he will find another position elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I think his contract runs through next year. What? I think his contract runs through next year. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he'll, somebody will pick him up. He'll have yeah. work uh, at a high level. It's probably not going to be us. I mean, but his, his jersey's hanging from the rafters. So if he wants to be, stay with the Canes, I'm sure he can. But, you know, he's yeah. going to have to... I mean, even if he's like a assistant coach or something. Yeah. Well, we shall soon see, but hopefully there are changes on the horizon, and hopefully the Canes do some good stuff next year. I'm sure we'll do some stuff. I mean, I I guarantee you, puck drop next season, the roster is going to look a lot different. Yeah. Well, I think you can. I think you can kiss like Falk and Skinner goodbye. I agree. I think. I think. I think we'll build yeah. around Aho and Teravinen and the young defensemen, and we'll see a lot of new faces out there. Yeah, I think I think our mid twenties floundering one time stars are are gone. Yeah, agreed. Um, well, speaking of hockey, let's uh, let's transition and talk about some Korean ball hockey. Ah, the old CBHK, eh? Yes, the old CBHK, Patrick. Tell us about the old CBHK. Uh, well, it's an acronym, Kyle. It stands for Korean. Wait, no, Canadian football <laughs> hockey. <laughs> yes, Korea starts with a C, and I am a big dumbass. Uh, Canadian ball hockey, Korea. Uh, it is now the thing in life that gets me out of bed in the morning. Um, yeah, uh, the league drafted two weeks ago, started last week. Uh, it's been a whirlwind ride, um, especially for this young rookie who uh, didn't really know what to expect going in. Never played ball hockey before. Um, but yeah, it's been super fun. Well, you had played uh, in like some pickup games before, right? Like, cause they, I had been going, yeah. They scouted been you. Going to pick up. They did, yeah. So actually to get, so to get drafted... You have to go to at least two pickup games and to at least two uh, rookie games. So I did all that, and at the rookie games, like all the captains go out and like bring notebooks and fucking 
watch you play and like write shit down and ask you questions and stuff. It was actually more intense than any other sporting uh, endeavor. I've, I've like, if, I mean, I've played like pretty high level competitive golf and it was like more intense than that. Did they ask you questions like they've been asking people at the NFL combine? Like, is your mother a prostitute and do you like men? Uh, I did get some pretty raunchy interview questions, but that was <laughs> after <laughs> that was after I'd already been drafted. So uh, no, those are just for fun. But I don't know about the NFL thing. It's so weird that they would ask stuff like that. Anyways, continue. <laughs> Wait, that sounds like a hot topic. What's the, that all about? Those were real questions that were asked to a running back at LSU. They asked if his mom was a prostitute. I think they asked how he felt about his mom being a prostitute. Um. To Why? like to like imply that she was one to see what how he would react, I guess. I'm not really wait, sure. Wait, why? Uh, exactly. I don't know. Very weird and inappropriate. It seems outrageously inappropriate. Yeah. So Huh. Okay. Well that's fucked. This is according this is according to the to the kid, Daryl Geis. I don't know if I mean, you, you I don't know why he would lie, but seems strange. Yeah. Anyways. What was the raunchiest uh, question you were asked? Uh, well, I think I sent you that list of interview oh, questions. Oh, yeah, you did. I, Those were raunchy. They were raunchy. I actually submitted my answers today, too, um, which I, I tried to downplay the, the worst ones. But, uh, yeah, they, uh, they, they picked me for, like, the, there's a newsletter that goes out every week, and I, they want me to be, do, like, their rookie interview this week. And uh, the questions were uh, revealing. We'll, 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 we'll say revealing. Um, and where'd you get drafted? I was taken, so it was a 12 round draft. Mm-hmm. Um, all rookies taken, or like everyone was selected? No, everyone, okay. everyone gets drafted. They redraft every season to make the teams even. Um, so I got picked in the fourth round. Awesome. I think, I think I was like 27th overall in the fourth round. Nice. Um, so like pretty high, which means if you're in the top five, you're a starter. So like I, I, you know, I, I started on my line, um, last game. We played our first two games already. How'd it go? So, uh, we went one and one. I had two points, um, two assists. Two assists um, total? Huh? Two assists total? Two assists total, yeah. So you're, you're, you're a point per game kind of guy? I'm a point per game guy, although I, I had a bunch of, uh, opportunities that I just, whiffed on it's harder to the shooting a ball is different than a puck uh the ball does not stay down you have to like you have to change your shot a little bit because if you shoot a ball the same way you shoot a puck it just it just skies is uh Um, is is it similar scoring where like point per game would be you'd be like an all-star um no you need to be a little higher than a point per game okay all-star okay yeah no it's it's the the top line guys in the league will put up probably like two or three points a game. Do you have a sense for how good your team is? It's very hard to say. It's very hard to say. I'm on a line with another guy who is not extra skilled, but is very fast. Hmm. Uh, me and Anthony Sang, my boy, Sanger. Um, and then another guy who is very skilled, but is not fast. Um, so our line has a very weird chemistry where like, me and saying like we'll get down the rink and be like it's like we need zach where's zach and zach is like panting at the at the red line like i'm coming <laughs> like 
it's it's we're, we haven't quite figured out how to play each other yet. But uh, when we do, I think we'll do pretty well. And our defense is really strong, so um, you'll get that we'll chemistry. You'll get that chemistry built. Yeah, we just we just gotta play a little more together. But no, it's been going pretty good. So um, is ball hockey your favorite component of Korea so far? Yes, it is. It's my it's it's the new thing. Like I I played a few weeks in a row, and I was like, shit, I need to like rework my my workout plan like I, I actually like wrote myself a new split to be more ball hockey conducive like more sprinting stuff and more like uh side to side shit and i have like i've redeveloped my whole life around ball hockey now actually wow impressive patrick i'm, pr- I'm very proud of you i hope that okay. you uh i hope that ball hockey becomes an olympic sport and that the olympics are held in durham and that you get to come to durham to play ball hockey so that i can watch all of those things would make me monumentally happy. <laughs> Can you, speaking of the dirty, unless you want to know anything more about CBHK, um, how uh, how is the dirty? How's the dirty D? How's Bull City? It is great, man. It's, uh, you know, I love this place. It continues to just, you know, blossom and bloom into a, into a beautiful land. Um, I did see I did see a Twitter post from Duke about uh, Duke Gardens blooming the other day. Yeah. And, uh, well, it also snowed man. yesterday, so. It what? It also snowed an inch yesterday, so the the blooming may, may have been put on hold briefly. Um, weird. Why did it snow? Ah, uh, who knows? It was weird. Weather, I guess. Yeah, yeah weather, fair. weather and stuff. Um, fair enough. But it's great, man. I'm glad I'm going to get to stay here long term. Um. I am graduating in May, enjoying my last couple months of school. Um, you know, lots of new restaurants opening in Durham, as always. Uh, I discovered the upstairs at Criterion, which I feel like would have been, like, really your scene. Um, yeah, you know, I I went up there at one time, I yeah. think. And the thing with Criterion is that my favorite bartender is downstairs. That's fair. Yeah, I know you like it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, uh, Durham's the best, man. You can't, it's, it's tough to beat. Um, I'm looking at, I'm looking at living in the new tower. The new tower? Yeah. The big tower, the big one, the tall building. Wait, for real? Yeah. They've got apartments in there that are like pretty reasonably priced, like about the same as, so I want to move back downtown. I've been on ninth street for like a year. Um, Downtown is, is by far and away better. Downtown's where it's at. I miss it yeah. downtown. Um, Mia, it's funny that you say you miss it downtown. It's literally like half a Yeah, no, I know. Mia, Mia lives in Liberty Warehouse, and it's awesome. I Like, I love going over there. Um, Liberty Warehouse is cool. I do a, like Liberty Warehouse. And it's not, like, it's about the same price as the apartments on 9th Street, which is ridiculous. So, like, Liberty I, is yeah, or the, Liberty where is. the big tower is? Liberty, both of them are. The big tower is, like, 50 bucks a month more expensive. So... If there, if I can, if me. I can I didn't find, even realize that they had apartments there. I thought exactly. it was all condos. So if I can find an opening there, I'm going to try to move in there. And they're moving uh, Bodega into the basement of that building. No way. And yeah, they're going to be like the primary tenant on the ground floor. How? So that must mean Bodega's doing all right. Yeah, they're doing really well. Really? Yeah. I was I was worried about them when I left. Yeah. I I mean, I, I, it was so hard to tell if they were doing good business or not yeah so they're ex- they're expanding into a larger space into the base of that tower 
Excellent. That's yeah. really good to hear. I'm, there's I'm a, happy for uh, that. There's a Lebanese place opening in that building. Jack Tar, the diner, is open. Um, there's a new do- there's a new Thai place opening where Dame's Chicken and Waffles used to be. Dame's moved to uh, the Liberty Warehouse building. There's also like a food hall opening up there. They're Wait, opening Dame's a moved. damn. They're opening a uh, damn a, Dame. They're opening an axe throwing place on Gear Street. I saw that on uh, Twitter yeah. or Facebook or some shit. All uh, sorts of, all sorts of crazy throwing- stuff. Axe throwing seems right up the uh, the quintessential beardy Durham hipster. Classic alley. beardy Durham hipster. It'll go so well next to like Surf Club and Motorco and that world. Uh, yeah, I wonder how much you have to pay to throw a handful of axes at a wall. We'll see. We'll find out. We will find out because I will be throwing some axes. I will be doing a review of an axe throwing joint. It seems like it seems like that's such a low cost endeavor that it almost could be like give your best shit away for free and yeah. then just like pay an extra fifty cents a drink. Yeah, I went to uh, beer study for the first time. I really liked that place. How have you not been to beer study? Yeah, no, I really liked it a lot. I was a big fan. Beer study is beautiful. Yeah, yeah it's great, a great place. Great little spot. Yeah, um, they open up the they open up the garage doors when yeah, it's warm. I've been going to Beer Durham more often. Um so I'm I'm loving Durham man. I think it's a great place to be. I do think it's a great place to be too. I you know I got a little stir crazy, but it's not because I didn't like Durham. It's because, you know, just gotta get out and see other shit. I will point. say I will say I've gotten pretty confident that at some point in the next probably two years I will pro I will leave Durham for a little bit. But I do think I want to ultimately be back here. My new, my new goal in life is to uh, to make good on my Durham Academy senior year superlative and to try to be the mayor of Durham someday. That's what I've decided I want to do. Really? Yeah, I I legitimately wow. am considering going into politics at some point, local politics. Interesting. I think it would be really interesting. How many senior superlatives from that class do you think are accurate? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what was yours? Uh, mine was worst case of senioritis. Mm-hmm. Probably realistic. Yeah, that's pretty pretty accurate, I think. You also could have won that award in like fourth grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Early onset senioritis. Stay true to myself. What, what can I say? <laughs> so, uh, speaking of Durham Academy, Patrick... Yeah. Last week was Giving Day at Durham Academy, and I encouraged you to give a gift to your alma mater, and you responded with mockery and shame. Why? That's, why did you mock me and shame me? I, I don't, I'm not sure that I didn't mock you or shame you. I, I, I think that's an unfair representation of our conversation. Um, uh, what did I say? I responded to something. I, I built off of something that Rollins said, uh, which I can't remember what it was, but it wasn't quite mockery and shame. Rollins, t- um, Rollins took personal offense to the ask. Uh, oh, boy. Um, well, first of all, um, in my tax bracket, I shouldn't even be, uh, you know, I shouldn't even be presented with these with these requests. I don't have I don't really have much to give. You're talking uh, to a guy who has not made any income in two years, who is currently in debt. So I hear you. Yeah, but we Bad. also both know that you're starting a new job in the near future, which will put those issues to rest. So sure, 
Yes. Point taken. Right. Um, that being said, I am in the black. Does that make me a better person than you? I don't know. I mean, who's to say? But uh, <laughs> who's to say? Who's to say? Uh, <laughs> but um, I, you know, I lived since the day I left college on a shoestring budget, and uh, that's no secret. Um, it's something that I'm actually proud of. I believe it contributes to who I am today. Um, a frugal yet resourceful young man older man maybe now I don't know mid-20s but the point is um, I did not feel compelled to give um, what little excess uh, scrounge I have to Durham Academy Um, not because I don't like the institution I think Durham Academy is a great institution I think it's an awesome school I uh, I think that I liked it as much as I possibly could have liked any school that I would have gone to. And I think that they pushed me to do more than a lesser school would have. And uh, I am someone who was able to get by as a minimalist and um, I would have been more enabled at somewhere else that didn't care about me as much probably. But uh, no, I did not give them any money. I was the exact same way in that sense. I was certainly a minimalist in school and was able, we had, was able to get by because people cared. Well, there I think there's a distinction between our particular brands of minimalism. Tell me more. Uh, do you want this conversation to go there? That's uh, Yeah, I'm curious. Well, uh... I think that you were you were known around campus as a bit of a great grubber. Can <laughs> you define that term for for our listening audience? <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the last day of every quarter, uh, Kyle could be seen schmoozing um, whichever whichever uh, teacher he felt was about to give him a B minus instead of a B plus, or a, a B a B plus instead of an A minus. Um, you would not find Patrick in that same situation. Patrick would be um, floating around campus being like, yeah, I got a B. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a party. That's good for me. Yeah, I didn't screw up too bad. Like, uh, <laughs> Point being, um, though, we were both minimalists in our own ways. We were both lazy academically in our own ways. And we were both, we were, to some degree, dragged along by faculty and administrators at Durham Academy who cared about our well-being. I think yes. I think part of this, honestly, I think I have a weird relationship with philanthropy at this point in my life because I worked in nonprofit in a somewhat failing environment and I've never felt all that like drawn to service other than during that time. Um and so I think I think I have a, a weird relationship with charitable giving and philanthropy in general. And DA for me is something that I can very tangibly credit with a lot of where I am. And so I feel really comfortable giving very small amounts. It's not like I'm giving like thousands of dollars to DA. I'm giving like fifty bucks or a hundred bucks a year right now. And like I'll, I'm sure I'll increase that someday. But like to me, that feels right, and it feels like. I, they should be able to include me in a donor count as like an alumni who appreciates the time that I had there. That's all. It's not like 
you know, I'm not trying to get like a building named after me, but I do feel very strongly about the impact that they had on me. And I feel like it's fair to chip in whatever I can afford to chip in. See, I feel like that's where the other distinction between you and I is, and we, or you and I, or you and me, you and me is, uh, we've, <laughs> see how much I learned. Um, so, uh, you still feel, and we've had this conversation, uh, briefly, uh, you still feel like the school is, um, you feel connected to them and yeah. I just don't, I mean, I, for whatever it is, like maybe it might be because of obviously like my family was pretty, uh, pretty intricated with the, the school. Like my dad worked there and like, I don't know if I even deserve to go there. Like just, you guys had to take tests to get in. I didn't. I was just like admitted. Like, I don't know if I'm smart enough. Well, and in fairness, my test was building a ladybug out of construction paper in pre-K. So I'm not really sure what that tested, but yeah. Kyle, I could not build a ladybug right now. I mean, how many dots do you put on a ladybug? I've, I've got no idea. Like, do, do ladybugs have lady parts? I've, I mean, are they, are they pink instead of red? I'm not sure. Um, but... Uh, the point is, like, I at some point, like, in the past, and I don't think I felt this as much when I was there. I don't think I really thought about it when I was in high school. Um, but as the years have gone by, and, like, you know, I went to Appalachian State, which is a great school. I love Appalachian State. Um, but, you know, you went to Duke, and, like, that's that's a, that's a step up. And, uh, you know... I, it's not like I. It's not like because of DA I got into some great college, and it's also not like I tried. I'm not blaming them for that, but like I just don't feel like I necessarily did as much with my time at DA, and that's on me, not them. But then I also do feel like I'm just not connected to that community anymore. I mean, for me to have kind of like strayed from their, you know, ideal path, I think. Um, you know, I, I, I've just I've just felt less and less a part of that community every year. And as someone who's lived in Durham, like for I guess about four years after college, even if I would go back for an alumni event or you know see faculty or students or parents around town, and I did a lot. Um, it just again, I've mentioned this to you before. I, I feel like I was always looked at through sort of a, a black sheep type of lens because I've had like a bit of a different career path and I've hopped around jobs and like haven't really, you know, I haven't done anything you can put in a brochure. That's, so the, that's I, the part that makes me sad though, because I, I, so when I, when I went to beer study, actually, I went with Lee Hark and just had a couple beers with Lee and like hung out and we were talking about DA and talking about some of my classmates and we were talking about you and what you're what you're doing now i mean you're teaching english in south korea like and you're really happy and fulfilled by what you're doing and like you're you're excited to be in a new place and like exploring a new country and you're making all these friends and you're playing in a ball hockey league and like to i think a lot of you feeling like a black sheep in my opinion at least is you weren't thrilled with where your career path was when you were in Durham. And I think you, to some degree, may have been painting other people with that brush where you were saying, you know, who DA parent X that I'm seeing must be disappointed in me because I'm different than what other DA graduates are doing. I'm not sure that was the case. Because when I talked to people like Lee about you or like I ran into Jordan Adair who talked about you, like 
everybody thinks that you're wonderful and everybody is like really excited to hear about what you're doing, whatever it is. Even when you were working at Bull City Running, like, every, like I'm not sure there is as much of a path as you think. I just think you you didn't feel like you were necessarily you didn't feel like you had necessarily found a path but that doesn't mean that everybody else thought that you were like some black sheep or like on the wrong path yeah i mean i get that but like i don't know i just maybe it wasn't not so much the faculty i'm just i'm not sure man like it's also just tough because like with the way my dad was with the school like you never really know who's being genuine with you because like I never felt like people had to be nice to me, but it sort of felt like some people just were. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. And and I would say the same thing to Rollins, too. Like, I think Rollins, like, everybody that you talk to about Rollins living in, living like the ski bum life in Steamboat thinks that's awesome. But for some reason, Rollins feels the same as, he feels the same as you do, though, where he feels like people, like he veered from the traditional DA path, but like, people don't actually care about that. Like, I, look, I don't feel bad about myself for it. I don't. I just feel like it separates me from that community. I don't feel That's bad fair. about it whatsoever. Like I, I made the choices I made, yeah. and they were my choices, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have made them any different. Like, but I just feel like it does to a point that I'm not sure you can quite understand unless you're sure. living it. Yeah. Um, it does kind of separate you from that community because it is a community driven by academic excellence. The whole point of the school is to get you into like a high end college. That's literally like their calling card. Um, their, their, their college attendance rate out of senior years is nationally recognized. That's what the school does. Sure. But that's not the mission of the school. It's a prep school. It's not the mission of the the school though. It's not, it's not what they put in their mission statement, but it's what gets people to pay money to go there. Sure. All right. I, if you don't feel connected to the community, that's totally your, like how you feel, and that's totally fine. And there's no reason that you should ever have to give money. I just thought it was an interesting conversation. So, I also think it is, and I I could be, you know, I could come back around. I just in my twenties, I just I just felt very disjointed with my high school, especially since I only talked to about four of my friends from there anymore. Which is totally fair. Although you know what I've realized is that that is more than most people our age like a lot of most people i know our age don't talk to anybody from or or talk to like one or two people from high school like the fact that we come back during the holidays and like see as many people as we do in durham is pretty cool um i think that one thing durham academy does it does bring a great group of people together like everyone whether i was friends with them or not in high school are genuinely i think good people and like interesting and driven and smart and worthwhile um but you know that's there's a lot of people like that that didn't go to my high school too so like sure i don't know so that's that's why that's why i don't feel bad when i don't ship da 25 bucks which is totally your prerogative um we're 39 minutes in so before we end tell me who you picked in your bracket pool Patrick do you have a bracket pool in Korea I did not do they know that March Madness is a thing I uh, I don't I don't have any way to watch any basketball games I haven't seen any sports other than the Hurricanes or 
um, uh, Olympic sports since I've uh, I've been in Korea. Oh, we didn't even talk about the Olympics. Well, okay, pick oh, a pick I a did, national. I did go. Pick a national champion, go. just so the people know who you're picking. Who are you picking? Uh, I'm gonna go with my boys, Duke. Great. Okay, good pick. Strong pick. Okay. Yep. Uh, tell us about your Olympic experience. I did go to the Olympics. Yes, I ventured up to Pyeongchang with my two very best friends in Korea, uh, Jacqueline and Rebecca. Um, we hopped on the train from Seoul uh, at six in the morning. Uh, took about a one hour and fifteen minute train ride up to Pyeongchang. We watched the uh, finals of the men's slope style skiing, which was awesome. Uh, we basically posted up at the bottom of the final jump and watched the whole run on the Jumbotron and then watched every skier come over the last little jump, which is where they all try to do their biggest trick. And it was uh, pretty epic. An American guy got the silver and then a Canadian guy got the gold. Or no, Canadian guy got the silver. No, 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 no. American guy got the silver. Canadian guy got the bronze, uh, which is cool because Jacqueline's from Canada or whatever. And then uh, after that, we went to the Canadian Olympic House and watched Canada beat the shit out of some poor other hockey team, which was awesome as well. I love that you're Um, confused between Canada and America at this point. You no longer know who's who. Dude, I think I'm I'm legitimately convinced that I was supposed to be a Canadian. I really think that I was. You said before the podcast that if you move back to North America, you're going to move to Canada. Yeah, I think... um, well, the only deterrent there is the, the lack of warmth in Canada. Um, but I hear Vancouver is somewhat warm, so, you know. Really? Mm-hmm. Somewhat being, like, relative to Calgary or, like... Relative to, yeah, I mean, it's the Pacific Northwest, so it's just, like, not as cold. Who knew? Not me, but, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. If I, if I head back North America ways, which... I'm considering actually now. Um, it will not likely be in a. I'm not sure. I don't know. I have no idea. Too far. Too far in the future. Too far. Too far. Too far. Yeah, too, you're moving too to far. Viet, You're moving to Vietnam first. Uh, Vietnam is on my short list. Yeah. Oh wait, you have a short list? I thought it was just Vietnam. Uh, well, it's actually more fluid than that. Um, it depends. Uh, Viet- I'd like to visit Vietnam before I go there, which I will do this summer. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Vietnam would be the easiest, but that's not the only option. Huh. Vietnam would be the easiest because I wouldn't have to transfer companies, but uh, gotcha. there are other options like Hong Kong, Thailand, Cambodia. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So, Olympics, yay or nay? Fun? I assume it was it was awesome. I'm so glad we went. It was it, it, I I I never I never thought it would be that cool. I I was like kind of on the fence about even buying a ticket, and then when we were there, it was amazing. We went to the village. It was so cool. Went to Canada House and like just got rowdy like with all the Canadians and athletes and stuff. It was awesome. Does it make you want to go to the Summer Olympics? Um. Yeah, I think I would actually have more fun at the Summer Olympics. Yeah, I do too. I feel like the Summer Olympics would be the place to be. Yeah, I as, as cool as the Winter Olympics was, and it was, I, I feel like the Summer Olympics would be even better. Yeah, you have to come to the U.S. when they're in the U.S. If you're not living here by then. When is that? Uh, What, it'll be like 2028 20, or something like that? It's like very far in the future. Uh, 10 years? Yeah, maybe 2024. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm doing two weeks from now, so 
Fair. You're probably teaching Koreans English, but maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? I'm not one to I'm not one to make projections like that, Kyle. That's true. Um. All right. Well, that's all that I have on my on my talking list, and we're forty four minutes in. Okay. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I had some closing questions for you since you're rounding out your business school life. Okay. Hit me. Go. Uh, well, how do you feel about your experience at business school? Like, I mean, I know you enjoyed it, but like, can you, can you sum it up? Like, can you, can you, can you wrap it up in a concise, like maybe 30 second description of, of, of what it means to you? Of what it means to me. Like what it means to you, your career, your life. Sure. But, I mean, so business school was the right thing at the right time for me is what I've decided. It was, uh, I was at an inflection point in my career where I didn't want, didn't know what I wanted to do next. And I didn't, even if I did know, I didn't really have a way to get there. And it was a chance for me to build a foundation of skills and more importantly to meet a lot of people from a lot of different fields and a lot of different places in the world and learn about how they approach problems and how they approach business world in general. Um, and from that, I've learned a lot more about what I want to do and um, where I want to be moving forward. And so I think that's been a really valuable experience for me. And and those people like in the, in the future, those people will be the like, first people that I call if I ever need a job, they'll be the first people that I call about anything career related, really. Like they, I've, from both a academic standpoint and a network standpoint, the things that I've gotten in business school are the tools that will be the basis of my career for the future, regardless of what I'm doing. And I have no idea what I'm going to be doing, but at least not long-term, but this will be the foundation of it. basically you're saying that you took a step back but also Correct. were able to build something while you were away from yeah. basically your career yeah I, I don't I and I didn't really think about this going in but like I would not recommend business school for everybody if you are on a career path and you know where you're going and you know what you're doing and um, you're progressing and you feel pretty comfortable where you are I don't know that I would recommend it um, but if you are wanting to pivot or you are wanting to change your path in some way, then I think it's a really phenomenal way to do that. Hmm. Interesting. I do. I mean, in the limited time I spent with you and your business school friends, it did seem the one thing I was impressed by was the, the, the vast array of perspectives that were there for everyone. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't people who had just gone from college to school. It was people who had gone out and done some shit and then gone back to school. Exactly. Yeah. That's the, um, that's the incredible thing about it is like my, like if you think about just my C lead team, it's a woman who was, uh, who worked with the ambassador to Sri Lanka on energy policy, a woman from Mumbai, India who worked at BCG and consulting, uh, an ex Marine who, uh, was still in the Marines before business school, a random white dude from Kansas city who was working in healthcare tech, 
and then a guy from China who was working for Samsung in Korea. And then me, like another random white dude who worked in sports and a little bit in nonprofit. But like you put a group of six people like that together and you ask them to approach a problem, you're going to get some really varied perspectives and different ways of working and different ways of leading. And you can kind of take bits and pieces from all of those interactions and incorporate them into your own style. I mean, that's pretty awesome. I mean, I guess that's what makes a good company at the end of the day, right? Yeah. It's just different. Yeah. yeah. So huh. I, lo- I love it from that perspective. Um, I think, I don't know that I've learned astronomical amounts in the classroom. Um, right. Like I've, it, that stuff to me is infinitely more valuable than like the random little finance formulas that I've learned and whatever. Like those things are good and will be helpful to me in some way, I'm sure, but not nearly as much as like just learning how different people think and like how to approach problems with a, with a diverse group. Um, that That's the stuff that I think will actually make a difference moving forward. That's a that's an interesting perspective. It's not quite what I expected your answer to be. What did um, you expect? I like it. Uh, well, I to be honest, I was thinking more that you had gotten a job that you really desired, which you did, but it doesn't seem like that was really your end goal. And it seems like your career is more fluid to you now than I thought it was the last yeah. time we talked. So that's cool. That's cool to hear. My, I view going to Deloitte as a chance to continue to learn. Like it'll be totally different for me and I'll get to work with a pretty good variety of people and a variety of clients, a variety of industries. Like I, I will continue to learn a lot from that job. I don't view it as a long-term fit for me. Um, that's, that's just so different from the type of response that you would expect from someone who actually works at Deloitte. Yeah, well... There you go. Here I am. <laughs> Come at me, bitch. Uh, <laughs> uh, so here's my my follow-up question. So I mentioned to you also previously, I'm in the in the many, many things I'm considering in my own life. Uh, one of them is I've gotten kind of the grad school bug again. Mm. And um, I'm wondering, because you said, because you said you kind of went in as a step back and like without much direction, do mm-hmm. you think, do you think business school is something that a directionless boob like myself could benefit from? Um, I, I don't know that you would like business school. I don't, I'm I, don't not, I don't know that I would. Either I don't ask. think that, I don't think that you would. I would, we would have to talk more about it. Like I'd have to know more about what you view your goals as and what you would hope to get out of it. I don't think, like, I don't think grad school is a bad idea for you necessarily if you were really interested in the subject. But I think you, like, just knowing what I know about your academic history, I think you are best in school when you are, like, studying a pretty specific subject matter that you're passionate about, not when you are doing just, like, a broad a broad education on things that you might not care about. I would agree with you, except that, as, as I've gotten older and as I've now have worked, I've, I mean, I've worked a lot of different types of jobs, um, a lot of different aspects.
aspects of what seemed to be the same job have been different, but mm-hmm. I just don't know what I like. I mean, I know that, like, the thing I did best at and liked the most in school was exercise science and, like, biomechanics and yeah. physiology and that kind of thing, but I don't know. I just, I'm not sure, like, my dad always used to say that investing in education is always a good investment, no matter what it yeah, is. Yeah, and I agree. And, um, I don't know. I mean, like... I just, I feel now that I've been out of the game so long that I, like, business school, I'm not saying that I want to go to business school, but just, like, for an example, it seems more general and, like, more applicable to a wider range of talents than, like, you know, getting into, like, a biomedical engineering program or, like, a, you know, ex-phys program or something like that. I'm just, I don't know. No, and that's one of the biggest benefits to me is that you, if you're interested in exploration, then it's a good place to be because you've got... You know, in a in a given week as a first year in business school, like the companies that come to make presentations because they want to hire people from your class, it's like you have you have Amazon one day and Coca Cola the next day and Goldman Sachs the next day. Like it is well, a maybe a Duke, maybe a Duke you do. <laughs> let's, let's let's sure, but yeah. I mean it's well okay, and that's that's in a whole different conversation that we should have another time. I think unless you're, you're like top basically every business school that's not in the top 20 is either closing or planning to close because it's become an impossible environment for them to make money so So you think it's not worth it if you can't do the cream of the crop i would say it becomes a much different conversation i'm not saying it's not worth it and there are plenty of people who get their mba at like non-top 20 programs who go on to have great careers but it becomes a slightly different conversation that's less about the school and more about the person in that case. I mean, like yours, like Duke, from what I saw, again, no disparaging you or your classmates, but it did seem like it was a tremendous advantage. I mean, it's, you're put in. The, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It, you would, you would have to like, you would almost have to try to not come out of Fuqua with a really good job. Like you would, you would have to be like a, a deliberate jerk to make that happen. Because com- right. like companies actively want to hire you, right? I remember thinking like the financial investment for people who were paying their own way was insane. Like that's an insane gamble. But yeah. to you guys, it wasn't because like obviously it'll work out. No, it's I mean it's virtually a hundred percent placement rate for people who try to get a job. Like there are going to be a couple people every year who are like starting their own company or something who don't have a job at graduation. Other than that, it's a it's a hundred percent. So, and it might not be the job that you came in wanting, but like you were going to leave with a really good job. Right. So. Hmm. I mean, that makes it a much, yeah. But that's not the case at all business schools. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I mean, Duke is like elite in that, in that sense. Patrick, we're at 55 minutes. It's probably, oh my gosh. It's probably the longest podcast we've ever done. I'm so sorry, listeners, that you had to go through that. So. With that, uh, let's uh, let's chop it off, and then we yeah. can come back next week. Yeah, I'd be happy to. I have all the time and podcast energy that you can possibly imagine. Beautiful. Uh, well, I miss you, and it's yeah. great to talk to you, as always. It's been lovely to hear your voice. I hope to hear more of it. All right. um, for all those in America who I've neglected, I'm sorry. He means that. I know I... I don't. I mean, I do, but I, yeah, you know, I kind of do. Uh, hi, Maddie. Hi, Sam. Hi, Mooma.
Simmons. Hi, Costellos. Hi, everyone in Durham. There you go. Nice job. Yeah, yeah thank I, you. I think you hit them all. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's my whole life. <laughs> Bye, Patty. Bye.